You know, the binoculars, like, oh my God, the invasion is coming. They call Rommel. They can't find Rommel. Have you got Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, Thanksgiving week time, coaching search time, home for the holidays time, rain everywhere time, whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, Wes Rucker and Patrick Brown coming to you here from the Fort Rucker studio on a beautiful but chilly Monday afternoon here in Knoxville. Patrick and I are just sitting there a minute ago looking at Gary, the uh, gargantuan groundhog who lives in my backyard and uh, has taken over this approximately whatever three-quarters acre property and uh, made just about all of it his own. Yeah, you like to say it's Fort Rucker. It's actually Fort Gary. It's Fort Gary. He's the proprietor of this of this premises. There's a Gary, Indiana. Now there's a Gary, Tennessee, and it is in my backyard. And that's why my backyard, despite my best efforts, still looks like a World War I battlefield from the Western Front. Just mortar shells everywhere. Thanks, Gary. Enjoy your final few weeks on Earth, at least living here. Patrick, we had a an interesting weekend. Not as interesting as the weekend that Danny Parker and Grant Ramey had, since they had to be on the field for that monsoon of a football game Saturday. We, we should we should come out and say, first of all, that none none of us, no no members of the Go Vols 24-7 staff were at Calhoun's on Saturday. That's true. For the record. Let's get that straight. We don't need any more misinformation out there. It's true. None of us were there. Now, I was there Sunday, <laughs> Sunday late morning, early afternoon. Because you're a brunch guy, which is a whole other podcast. Yes. And listen, I used to be anti-brunch. Now I'm decidedly pro-brunch, and there are many reasons for that. But my sister was actually in town over the weekend, and uh, she wanted to go there before she went back to Nashville. So that's what we did on Sunday morning. And there was still no John Gruden there. He was still in Seattle, 3,000 miles away, and not at Calhoun's. Calling the Monday night game between the Seahawks and the Falcons. Yes. He is spider 2 Y bananaing on the West Coast. And everyone seemed to have forgotten this when somebody told somebody <laughs> that they saw him. Uh, and, and, and even in hindsight, in hindsight truly in, in short hindsight, uh, shortly after all this went down on Saturday night while Tennessee was playing LSU, uh, how, how did everyone just forget that, first of all, he was supposed to be in Seattle two days later? Sure enough, he could fly, you know, take a quick jet over there. They don't just show up on the day of the game. Yeah. They, they go there a couple of days before, and they, they start previewing the game. They go to practice. They talk to coaches. They meet. There's production meetings, all that stuff. I'm, I'm, sure, they, I'm sure they do hits during the day on Monday and on Sunday. Sure. Um, but the other thing is that, like, if he was there, would he really just be sitting out in, in the main dining area, which is where he allegedly was? Yeah, probably not. No. No way. I'm surprised Peyton Manning was doing that. That, that well, he was, but since I think some of that confusion came from one, you know, groomer mania, which is very much a thing. Oh yeah. But also because every time Peyton Manning goes somewhere, just about every time he goes somewhere publicly, they are asked ahead of time not to take pictures. You know, because I'm sure Peyton, like a lot of his other buddies, is throwing back a few cold ones, and if he's Peyton Manning and don't want people to see that, for whatever reason, for his endorsement deals or whatever. 
you know, he don't want people there taking pictures, and just he wants some privacy, something resembling a normal it, life. And and so there were people were told to take no pictures there, and somebody maybe saw the back of someone's head and it looked like it was Gruden's hair when it was really a former teammate of his or something, and one thing leads to another, and what do we have, Patrick? Grudemonium. Grudemonium. And, and it's not like Peyton and, and some of these other types don't, when they go out to restaurants, they don't always get, like, private rooms. Correct. Uh, like, I remember one time, I think my my future wife, I don't know, we might have been engaged at the time, but we went to Smoky Mountain Brewery on Turkey Creek, and Butch Jones was there with his, was, was there with his family. And he was just sitting in the middle of the main eating area. It wasn't near the bar. Um, just him and his family, Barb and the kids. They had some pizza. Pizza's good there. It is. And uh, this was pretty back early. In, this was pretty far back early in his tenure because Butch actually on their way out came and actually like talked to my wife and I for a couple minutes. <laughs> this was before things went <laughs> downhill quickly. It was It was actually shortly after signing day. It was either 2013 or 2014. So he was still on the stage where he didn't hate every everybody, <laughs> or at least the media. I, I still think my – If this would have happened in 16, say this had happened after signing day this – Last year, this year, pretty probably wouldn't. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but I will tell one of my favorite Butch Jones stories of the entire past five years. One that I can at least tell on this podcast. There are many more that we'll probably never see the light of day, unless I write memoirs one day uh, before I'm dead and buried. But there was a time it was one of those deals where they go on like the Big Orange Caravan tours, and so they're in Atlanta one day, and you know wherever Tri Cities the next day, or Birmingham one day, and Tri Cities the next day, whatever it is. And there was a time where I had seen Butch, like, somewhere south of Knoxville the day before. So I guess he thought maybe a lot of the beat guys wouldn't get up there to the Tri-Cities for the next day for the for the Big Orange Caravan stop. And he gets there, he sees a bunch of the, the Tri-Cities cameras, and he starts answering questions or whatever. Was this this year? Yeah. And he looks up, and when he notices I'm there, I got a screenshot of it. <laughs> and he goes from the most pleasant look you've ever seen in your life to one of pure, pure straight unadulterated, unfiltered hatred. Like, he went, he got he got this look, and it was just like this this scowl got over his face. And then he got over it and started being nice to the TV guys again. But when he saw that, uh, it's like I started asking a question. So then he looks over, and he notices it's me. I think because he hears the voice. And then he looks over, and he's, I, I caught a picture of it, and I sent it to the guys a while back. It was it was pretty funny. But it was like that, that moment. It was a hashtag, like that moment when, you realize that Wes is still there, even though you saw him seven hours away the previous day. So, yeah, but the bottom line is, as you were saying, these guys like to go out and sometimes just be normal people. Yeah, and this, all, all this stuff was, was peak groomers, and uh, we reported Friday night that it was not dead. Grant Ramey posted an, an Undertaker gif. Is it gif or jif? I've always said jif, but... Some people tell me it's GIF. I think it's GIF. He posted an, an Undertaker GIF, uh, the WWE wrestler who's lying on his back and then sits up. It's a very, it's a very good one. It's very appropriate at the time. We love our WWE uh, GIFs. Um, and so good GIFs. Good, that was good GIFs. we posted that we posted that update uh, a little before midnight on Friday night that it wasn't dead. And as of recording this, it doesn't seem to be completely dead. Now we've maintained the entire time that Tennessee landing John Gruden as its next football coach was very, very. Unlikely. Very small percentage. Yes. Uh, I did some radio with some LSU folks before the game Saturday night, and I said less than 5%. And I don't think I've ever been above 5%. Yeah, I think I've been consistently at something like – I've said before that I'm in single-digit percentage for sure. 
yeah, and and you know, credit Tennessee for trying. Uh, they're a lot of money on the table. They are. Um, they, they've they've made a run. They swung for the fences. You have to give them that. Yes. Um, but it just seems like Gruden is either not going to come back to coaching, or he's trying to maybe use Tennessee to uh, increase his appeal for maybe an NFL job. And this is a guy that was only 500 in the NFL. So if you're if you're in the NFL and you've seen what he's done, if you're above 500 in the NFL, you're a hell of a coach. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you know, he's won a Super Bowl and all that stuff. But uh, maybe he's using Tennessee to increase his attractiveness for an NFL job. I think that's where possible. he doesn't have to worry about 20-hour rules and pandering to the whims of of high school juniors and seniors and sophomores, even. So, and you know, obviously, there's a lot of Kissing babies and whatnot you got to do when you're a college coach because a lot of people you have to shake hands with and you can't just sit there in your in your you know it's not just vault and watch football yeah it's not football. it's not all football all the time so yeah. we I think we believe at some point that this search is going to shift toward the college coaches now obviously it's the last week of the regular season uh, some coaches that Tennessee may be looking at may have championship games yes particularly in the American Athletic Conference where it seems to be a little bit of a it, coaching it, hotbed it might rhyme with Scott Frost. <laughs> Or Mike Norvell. Or Mike Norvell. Memphis also. has actually clinched a spot in that game. UCF has not. UCF has to beat USF on, on Friday. They're going to do it. I think they will, too. Uh, I flipped on their game uh, against Temple on Saturday, and every time I flipped on, flipped it on, they were – They're playing some fun offense. Either we're scoring or we're, or we're about to score. Uh, and so, yeah. So, at some point, at some point, this search is going to shift to the college coaches – there's still being there's still a lot of names being thrown out there, which suggests to me, Wes, and we've talked about this before we started recording, that John Curry is like a ninja <laughs> who's yes. not letting a lot of stuff get out. Yeah, he's like uh, one of those uh, like the, one of those assassins in Assassin's Creed. Like he's hi- he's hiding in bushes, he's jumping on top of buildings. We don't we don't know exactly where he is. We get we get whiffs of it here or there. We're like you know we're, we're we're bloodhounds. We're on the we're on the scent. We we get a little bit of. I think he's. Is he? Where is he? Is he in Florida? I think that's think that that might be Atlanta that I smell. Might might be Charlotte. You know, we, we hear things, and you know, but we always try to be the. We're, we filter things pretty strongly. We we uh, we distill them. We 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 wait until we know, and, and then we go with something. But we we hear. I mean, all the rumors that y'all hear that see the light day on uh, on message boards and on Twitter and Facebook, multiply that times about 10 and you get what's sort of the average day for us in terms of the things that we hear and so the trick in the longer you're in this business the more you understand this the trick is to go confirm things make sure that you've got them and then go with them and that's what that's what we're doing but I will say this I I think it's reasonable to say from the people that I've dealt with I think it's reasonable reasonable to say that Tennessee has given or has made or did make an offer to Gruden that got him thinking that, okay, wow, this is really serious now. And I think this became more serious than it's been at any point in the past. I think that's fair to say. What I still contend, though, is that I will believe it when I see it, and I don't see it happening because I don't think at his heart. You know, if you talk to NFL coaches – and Patrick alluded to this a little bit a minute ago. But when you talk to NFL coaches, you get pretty quickly that there are guys who are NFL guys and there are guys who are college guys, and they are completely different kinds of guys with different now, – now they all love football, and that's the one 
universal voice there, universal language. But there are some guys who love that recruiting stuff and love that banquet circuit, and then there are guys who don't like it and they just want to do football. And they actually like getting, you know, six or so weeks off a year to go do some stuff, whereas college coaches do not. College coaches work year-round. Got camps in the summer, got recruiting all year. You, you got to go on the Big Orange Caravan tours. You got to go down to SEC Media Days. There's all kinds of things you got to do. Spring meetings. Spring meetings. There's all sorts of things you have to do. You are never not working as a college head coach. And believe it or not, as an NFL coach, sometimes you are not working as much. So it is, I know that's hard to believe. But you have that opportunity. And, and there are some guys who like dealing. Like when Some guys, when they go to the NFL level and they see what life is like when all you have to worry about is football and all you get to do is sit in a room with these guys who are the best of the best, the elite, the, the top 1% of 1% of people who play this game, and you watch film with them, you, you get them the things that they understand in a second. And you can get so complex with your schemes. You can you can study film, break it down, quality control. When you get in that mode and you live that life, a lot of times you just do not want to go back to the college level and deal with everything else that you have to deal with there. And I think that Gruden is one of those guys. Doesn't mean he can't do both. Doesn't mean he wouldn't be able to do both. Maybe he would come in with a, you know, some sort of an associate head coach or somebody like a, like a T. Martin or somebody like that who's a great recruiter. Then, then he could have a situation where he doesn't have to recruit maybe as much as others do. But you still got to go do it. And I don't know that he's a guy who ultimately, in his heart of hearts, wants to go back to that world. I, I really do believe that. Now, that doesn't mean that for the right price they can't have him, but I, I think he wants to be an NFL coach. Yeah, and you know we, we've seen it before, and, and that's not to say every coach is wired this way, but a lot of coaches uh, that we talk to, they seem to either be NFL coaches or college coaches. Now, there's some guys that have made the crossover back and forth. Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, some of these guys. There's more uh, that have done that. Petrino's a guy that was in the NFL for one night, <laughs> basically. Uh, so, you know, there are coaches that are more wired for the NFL, and that's why you get asked about a guy like Jim Bob Cooter, who's ri- rising up the ranks. The yeah. Lions are having a good season again. Mm-hmm. Would he be interested in Tennessee? Yeah, he might want to come back, but he seems to be having a pretty good profile as an NFL coach. Why would he not want to stay in the NFL? Yes. Uh, same with a guy, same thing with a guy like Doug Marone, who, yes. who's another guy that's been mentioned for this for this opening in the past. So, um, yeah, I mean, we I think we all think it's going to be a college coach now. Which college coach it's going to be? Uh, I think we all kind of have a maybe a consensus of how it might go. Yeah, but I, it's been tough to kind of nail down a bunch of stuff. Uh, so far. I think there are a handful of names that all of us can agree on. And we know we know that, that Tennessee really likes a couple coaches. Yes. Two of them being Scott Frost and Dan Mullen. Yes, we know that for sure. Now, there are others that would make sense. And there's other coaches that they're going to call. Yeah. Like, I think they're going to make a run at Gary Patterson if they haven't tried already. Yes. But I don't think he's interested. I agree. I think he, I think he will listen because it would be stupid not to listen – but everything I've heard about him in, insists that, you know, they're building a statue of the guy there. They already he, have he, a statue. He, of I, the th- guy. I, thought, I thought they were still building. No, it. okay, it's well, done. They have it's the there. statue of him there. He is so he understands that community. He knows how to recruit there. He knows what what kind of guys he can get to win with. He 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 and his family are comfortable there. Uh, that would be a hard pull, but it would be an easier pull for say a Texas A&M. Yes. Texas A&M could pay him a lot of money because Patterson Patterson's making over five million. 
probably or it's it, it's in the four to five million range because it's private school they don't have to release that but um yeah i know with texas a&m's financial situation right now i don't know if y'all have paid a ton of attention to this but in the past few years there has been an absolute they have just been engulfed in money oil money they, they've gotten oil. so many donations that they have got I mean, at if least you, more, you, they, they've got more than 100 or 200 million just sitting there in the bank and they don't know what to do with it. That's you, how nice of a financial situation A&M's in right now. So A&M can go pay for anything it wants. If if you've been to Kyle Field, you would, you'd see why. Because yes. I, I would say it's the nicest stadium in the SEC that I've been to. Yeah, because it, there's other places where you might feel more history and other stuff like that, but but it is just big and nice, and it is yep. spacious. They have all kinds of room to work with there geographically. You know, they're in the middle of nowhere kind of, so they can they can build whatever they want wherever they want, kind of like Clemson can. Um, and Clemson's new facility has a moat, which is great. It has a moat. It actually has a moat, I think, around the football complex. But uh, it looks to me like there are a handful of guys that we know. You know, in Norvell, you can put them on that list. There are a handful of guys who – make all the sense in the world, and they are guys who you would talk to. But we all know there's a few more names on that list, and that's where it gets interesting because we're all trying to figure out who those names might be. And a lot of us, quite frankly, have different ideas of who those names might be. And that's where this search is different, I think, because we know a lot of the names, but there are some that we cannot pin down yet. Yeah, and quite honestly, it's felt like the last couple days, at least for me, that there's somebody out there. Yes, that we don't know who it is, but yes. John Curry does. I get, I've had, I get that strong <laughs> sense, and it's been hinted to me also. So I don't. It's been hinted to me as well. And you think back to the baseball search when, uh, you know, they went down and talked to I don't remember the guy's name, but whoever was at South Alabama, mm-hmm. who's doing a great job there. Um, that's who Curry was interviewing, and like it was the day before they announced Vitello that I I had it on good authority from somebody down there that he had interviewed him, and they were going back and forth on financials and then the next day boom they hired and nobody nobody had vitello on their radar now obviously in a baseball search you have maybe a tenth of the people trying to figure out yes probably even less than that of people five percent maybe uh people trying to figure out what you're doing and and curry i think i think he's the kind of guy that would even get sort of a rush from trying to like secretly maneuver and out like if he if he could pull this off where he fooled everyone i think he would he would be like feeling pretty good about himself. I'm not saying he would brag about it at the press conference, but he would probably come up to us afterwards and just be like, I got you guys. Got you guys. <laughs> I told him I told him at the baseball search, I was like, well, well done, Houdini. I'm impressed. And he just kind of gave me this kind of smirk like, yeah, I know what's up. But then you know, he does that, and then you see him walking through the concourse in Elon Stadium with some drunk fan yelling, go get Gruden yeah. for 30 seconds. That was an awful video. That made Tennessee fans look just pathetic. Oh. But – uh, I, I think I it's, try to remember that everybody has that that uh, there's there is that contingent or that faction at every major program. Yeah, and and that's not to say that Tennessee fans are awful. I mean, Tennessee but it, fans. But that made Tennessee look bad. Yes, that did. But what made Tennessee look good is that two weeks ago, after they lost to Kentucky, they had ninety. Well, I wouldn't say ninety thousand, but they had a really good crowd for a Southern Miss game. Yes, they had ninety thousand the other night after firing the coach, with a torrential storm of epic proportions coming into Knoxville. Yes. And a lot of fans stayed. That was actually that that was actually one of the the plagues that that I think that God <laughs> sent to the Egyptians. Uh, I think that was one of those. And, and you know that crowd was into the game in the first half. Uh, and so Tennessee fans, you can't question their their loyalty and their passion. And clearly, you can't either with all of the groomer stuff either, because uh, they certainly had to know how to do a a coaching search. Yeah. But uh, I, I think I think Wes, you and I are both sort of under the impression that. At some point, Tennessee's going to move on from the Gruden dream, the pipe dream. 
mm-hmm. and it's going to get heated up this weekend because you look at uh, who which coaches are finishing up. Dan Mullen finishes up first. Yep. Uh, Mississippi State plays Ole Miss on Thanksgiving night, mm-hmm. and so we'll have to see where John Curry is because he was scheduled to go with the basketball team to the Bahamas this week, and they were leaving Monday afternoon. Yeah. And hopefully by the time this is posted, we'll have an update on if he was on the plane or yeah, not. Yeah, we're, 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 <laughs> during this coaching search especially, unless we're doing a special podcast episode, anything that we podcast, we will get out as soon as possible because we do not want it to become irrelevant. You know, by, If we were going to run it, like, say, tomorrow morning, we wouldn't want it to be irrelevant by then, which it could be. I mean, it could be irrelevant by the time we finish recording this podcast. You know, you never mm-hmm. know. And so, uh, you know, that, that's, that's when it could get started. And you've got guys like, Mull, uh, like Frost, I mean, like Norvell, um, that, that are going to be playing an extra week. They're going to all want to be focused on their teams. Obviously, both those programs have a chance to go to a, group, to a New Year's Six game yep. if they win. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to want to be um, messing around and doing all that stuff. They're going to want to be focused on their teams, understandably. No, and, 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 and people will respect that. Yeah, because for if, if you can do something that a program has not done before and, and you've worked, those kids have worked so hard for you, and you want to play out the string with them, then, then I, 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 under, I understand that. But, you know, it, it's there are a couple names out there that we are trying to figure out sort of what they – whether they could be there and what names would make sense. And I don't want to get into too much speculation, but there are some names out there. Now, there's one out there that I've heard now that, that we have mentioned before. He has been on our hot board consistently from the beginning. And I'm not going to say Tennessee should not hire this person – but there are a couple reasons why I think Jimbo Fisher would be a fine hire, and I think he would be – I mean, he's got guys got silverware. He's, he's done a good job. You know, he's got the bling or silverware, as our friends across the pond might say. But what concerns me about that is, one, I don't know that Tennessee can out Saban Saban. And I think that Georgia is one, maybe the only program or Florida who could try to get a Saban kind of guy – and they could recruit well enough to have the big boys to go really toe-to-toe with Saban and do that. And I don't know that Tennessee – I think Tennessee is a great program, one of the top 10 or 15 jobs in the country, but I don't know that Tennessee can out-Saban Saban. I think Tennessee has to do something different. Uh, That's one. And two is, I think with the way that that whole Title IX lawsuit occurred and all that drama Tennessee went through – and all that settlement that it had to go through. I think if you then were to hire someone like Jimbo Fisher in this environment with the baggage that comes with his time at that FSU program and those allegations and, and Jameis Winston and others, I don't know that that's a good look for Tennessee. And I think that's the reason why Florida State would be sort of happy to get rid of him if someone would try to do that for them. So I, I don't know that I like that direction, but – Again, the guy, you can't question that he's a good football coach. Everybody knows he's a good football coach. So that part, okay. But I don't know how I feel about that. But it would not be shocking if Tennessee or especially A&M were to call. I think he would answer that phone and he would he would talk. Yeah, you know, we've, we've heard some rumblings that he maybe is looking to get out again. This isn't – I would say this is the first time that, that Jimbo has maybe kind of, looked, kind of Kind of not even a secret at this point, I think, really. Yeah. I, w- um, I would go that far. And – even if he's not interested in Tennessee, even if Tennessee isn't interested in him for some of those reasons that you mentioned, Wes, it, for, what happens there and what happens at Florida State is probably one of the big wild cards in Tennessee's search. Mm-hmm. Because if Florida State's open, that's another job that a lot of coaches 
are going to be saying that job's better than Tennessee. You can mm-hmm. win a national championship much easier at Florida State than you can at Tennessee. Yes, and which so some that, people, if you want to say if it's a better job, that would that, that's a heck of an argument so, to make. And so that's a that's a situation where if you're Dan Mullen, Scott Frost, even Willie Taggart, who we've heard is looking to get back to this neck of the woods, has a good team coming back though. Um, yeah, he does, and, and Taggart's not a name we've heard as much since he sort of expressed interest in Tennessee and maybe some other positions. Florida being one of them. Um, and so, you know, Florida State gets in there. That's going to be another wild card for Tennessee. UCLA joined the fray yesterday, clearly, because I think they were probably getting word that Florida was moving in on Chip Kelly. Yeah. Um, and and our guys down at our Florida uh, site seemed to be pretty confident that Florida was pretty close to, to wrapping that thing up yesterday after going and meeting with him. Um, so that's another sort of wild card is if Florida lands Kelly, first of all, if you're Tennessee, you have to say, whoa. We better get somebody good. Then. That was my very next point. Um, because if, if Florida's landed Chip Kelly, who say what you will about the guy, he was really successful in college. He's sort of weird. He, you know, you wouldn't picture maybe in the SEC. You wonder about a fit. I think he would do really well at Florida with those athletes mm-hmm. in that offense. If he could find a quarterback, I think that would that would not maybe scare, but that would get the attention of the rest of the league in a hurry. Yeah, and that's the thing though is that it would give Florida it would. People would go, okay, all right. Florida's not playing around. They got one of the one of the big guys, one of the biggest guys out there, potentially in this cycle. And then you're battling perception if you're Tennessee. Yeah, and then then again, it looks like if you're Tennessee, if you go, you can still go get a good coach. You can win a lot of games, but they're not going to come with the name, the sort of the same cachet as Chip Kelly. You're going to hear these argument. You would hear this argument at bar stools and dinner tables, all across this area. You would hear people, and they would not necessarily be wrong. They might be presumptive, but that wouldn't mean they were wrong. And, and they were, you know, you could hear it now. Oh well, Alabama's got Saban, and Kirby's got the thing going on at Georgia now. Florida hires Chip freaking Kelly, and what's Tennessee doing? Bringing in a Joe Blow? Come on, like you know, and, and it would be presumptive, but it might not be wrong. And so that, if you're John Curry, that's the kind of hire that if you go low when other people go high and it doesn't work out, then your decision is just going to be ripped apart, and yeah. you are going to be on a hot seat then. So, man, if you know if that if that's the case, do you have to go? Do you have to go something, you know, really outside the box at that point? Do you have to go? Uh, oh, I'm going to go to the West Coast and find somebody, or I'm going to go get you know, something radically different, like Mike Leach. Give that guy a call because you know what? He wins. Chris Peterson's another guy. With a very sexy-looking contract situation if you're Tennessee. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I may or may not have been looking up his financial information on on Monday. May or may not. Just, you know, just it popped up on my computer, and I noticed that his buyout right now is $1.5 million. And uh, (laughs) Jim Haslam actually has that in his couch. (laughs) Believe it or not, I think under. I don't his know couch, how that came up on my computer. I need to. I think I need to get it looked at. You know, you know, Jim Haslam sitting there in his uh, living room, being like, "Hold on, I can't find the remote control. Where is it? I can't find it. Oh, but there's one point five million dollars. That's no problem right there. I think I got that stored away in the bathroom somewhere too. I got another one point five back there. Uh, yeah, that that's nothing to him. So, uh, and the, so several other Tennessee boosters could make that check pretty easily. So, you know that that part. I just wonder because if you're if you're Curry and you make a move that was bold and didn't work, but you were being aggressive and you were going out and getting a big name, people could maybe forgive that. But if everyone else around you, if it's an arms race going on around you, 
and you go out and buy a pocket knife, and that pocket knife doesn't take down uh, the uh, you know AR-15s and AK-47s and nuclear bombs, the uh, ballistic missiles around you, and you lose that fight, well, then people are going to go, why'd you go buy a pocket knife, you dummy? So th- that that's going to make him... And, and he's a perceptive guy. He's a shrewd guy. He understands that. And he wants to win. Badly. His Two of his best friends in the world are the are the athletic directors at Florida and Alabama. And people go, oh, well, of course. No. I mean, imagine that you're, it's like your best friend, you know, is if I'm a Cubs fan and my best friend is a Cardinals fan, I, my goodness, that would give me even more reason to want to beat the Cardinals. And if you're Curry and two of your best friends are the ADs at Florida and Alabama, you don't want those guys to kick your tail every year. That's embarrassing. You go to like your old, uh, your, your, your buddy's group there at the, uh, Spring meetings and everybody gets their families together and goes out and gets a nice uh, surf and turf dinner and they're sitting there poking at you and laughing at you. You don't want that. Come on. We're all guys. We understand that. He wants to win. And, yeah, I think that that if Kelly goes to Florida, that to me, I don't know if it completely changes the Tennessee race or Tennessee search, I should say, but it it, it – it definitely alters the course a little bit, I think, because at that point, that puts a lot more pressure on you. Then even if, if, say if something happens this week where Florida announces Kelly's going to be their next coach, if you're Tennessee, are you going, are you taking some other, another circuitous route down to Tampa with some more money in your pocket and saying, or even a blank check? Yeah. Hey, uh, actually, uh, whatever you want. Big Jim Haslam has a, has a sofa next to the big couch in the living room. And he found another couple million in there. What do you want? And, uh, do you have, and, and that's not, to, and, and we've, you know, we've maintained, but, uh, well, I've maintained at least I can't, I won't speak for Wes and the other guy, and the other guys on our staff, but you can get other coaches that could be big time coaches that win a lot for Tennessee and get, get Tennessee back into the championship sure, conversation that aren't can. John Gruden. You absolutely can. And, and what's something that's interesting to me is you look at a guy like Jimbo Fisher who would who would be a big name that you could sell in, in the realm of, of Saban and Kelly. But even him, you look at, you, you know, you break down some of his tenure at Florida State, you've got the off-field stuff. They were 26-1 and with Jameis Winston as their quarterback. Without him, they're 55-22. and and over the past three years, they are – I'm looking at this on, on our hotboard, actually – 23-12. and 12. That's a lot of losses for a team that's recruited just about as well as anybody outside of Alabama and Ohio State in college football. Yeah, there have been there have been sort of – And I know they had the entry with uh, DeAndre Francois this season that sort of torpedoed it. I know that. Yeah, I, and when you look at recruiting the past few years in college football, you've got a couple of tiers. I think Alabama is on its own tier. Uh, then yeah, I don't then, know. No, well, I'm talking about, and I think right below it on a clear second tier is Ohio State by itself, and then just below that, I think you have a clear number three in Florida State, and then you have a lot of similar things. Now, I'm not saying that Alabama's clearly like head and shoulders, but I think I would go when you look at the talent the past few years and what, the recruiting rankings and all that. I think it bears out where it's Bama, then Ohio State, then, then probably Florida State. When you look at the, the number of NFL players Ohio State's produced, too, I think you have to put them in there with Alabama. But that's that's beside the discussion. Okay, whether they're 1-1-A one one or 1-2, and two, they're they're up there together, uh, sort of. We can we, we can agree on that. So, but, you know, it's my belief that Tennessee – before I go there, and we talked about this, too, before we started podcasting, there's, a lo- there's something with every single one of these guys almost, even with Gruden to a degree – where, yes, it looks like it would be a great hire, but there's still some things that are like detractors. 
you know, it's with Fisher, it's it's what we talked about. It's maybe he's underwhelmed a little bit with given the talent they brought in there. Uh, with Dan Mullen, it's his personality, whatever it is. Some uh, close to Tennessee search don't think he would be worth the money. Don't think he's been well received by some of his other athletic directors. Um, you know, you, you've mentioned before there's some concern about would Fro- would Scott Frost's offense translate to the SEC. Yes, there are there are concerns about. It that. seems like uh, every one of these candidates, and if you spend enough time, it's like the NFL draft. If you spend enough time breaking these guys down and talking to people about them, somebody out there will find something bad to say about these guys. Yeah, there, there's a in the draft you would call it a, a red flag, and there are red flags on just about every one that I can think of. But I don't know how many times you're ever going to get a coach who doesn't have a red flag. Yeah. So. At that, you know, and with Jimbo, maybe it's the, the off-the-field stuff and the record without Jameis, and, and everybody out there, and can you out Saban Saban, which if I think is a simple argument, but it's I'm, I'm no. firmly on the side of you cannot, if you're at Tennessee, you will not consistently out Saban Nick Saban. If you're Georgia, you have a puncher's chance to do that. If, if you're you are, Florida. If you're Florida, you have a puncher's chance to do that. Even though at Florida they tend to produce more kind of the speed guys, and it's just a, it may be a little different, but still you have a chance to because you're Florida. At Tennessee, I don't know. Tennessee's in that tier of programs that maybe occasionally could do that, but I don't think it could, could consistently out Saban Saban while Saban's in Tuscaloosa. So you have to do, I think, something different. Yeah, and I, I think Tennessee needs a coach because Tennessee in itself, you can get good players here. There's enough attractiveness. There's enough talent in the state now, two and a half hours to your west in the mid-state, to where you can go and, and build your build your classes around the talent there and go in, into some of these neighboring states, North, Georgia, Carolinas, Virginia even, and, and get enough talent to have a lot of talent. Now, you're not going to be able to recruit like Alabama, Georgia, and Florida are. But that's why, to me, Tennessee needs somebody that can go and coach guys up and have their teams, I don't want to say outperform, but they need to outcoach some guys. And I think Mullen is a great example of that because he's won a bunch of games. I know what his record is against ranked teams. I know what his record is against Alabama. I know that his SEC record is inflated because they play Kentucky every year. I know all those things. But his, team, his teams just win games with bottom third talent in this league. I know they had Dak Prescott and all that, but he's a guy that seems to outcoach guys. He, he seems to get the most out of his players and his, out of his teams. More often than not, yeah. Um, and so, you know. I think he would be – I think he would fit that mold. The only way to find out if guys like Frost and Norvell, if their offenses are going to work in the SEC, is to give them a shot and see. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the 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 knock against Norvell is that, yeah, he took over a pretty good situation with what Justin Puente left him at, at Memphis. But uh, Justin Puente, I don't think, ever won 10 games, which Norvell has. Uh, I don't think he's – I don't think he ever won – American, which Norvell has a chance to do. So, and, and Norvell's a guy that's, you know, we, we reported that he was more interested maybe in Arkansas or Ole Miss. At first, yeah, we did hear that. But I don't think he would say no to Tennessee. No, that would be, that'd be, be probably dumb too, but if you're in his situation, but because you don't know when you're going to be having that kind of opportunity again. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I and again, I don't, I think there's a chance that people could read into this. There's some sort of defeatist attitude. I don't have that kind of attitude, and I don't think John Curry does either. I think that just because you know you have to be smart doesn't mean that you don't think you can be as good as everybody else. You can go out there and flex some muscles financially. You can go out there and make any commitments that you need to make. 
you know, make any promises you need to make. If you're not sitting there with a completely short stack. You're not, you're not, you're not in that position. But you do have to be cognizant of what's around you, and you have to be smart about this. And I think there are good coaches out there to be had. I just – what I see this – and I don't know why I see this, but I, I've questioned the past couple of times that would Tennessee fans really rally around this coach. Tennessee fans, at the end of the day, almost always rally around the flag, and they get, you know, they get together and they give a guy a chance. But – it's just hard to keep asking people to do that. And I, I wonder if like a little bit of you dies every time you do it. And I think that you need to kind of give these people a shiny toy right now uh, to, just to be safe that you know you're going to keep having this support because, man, these fans are great. They are absurdly loyal and passionate and great fans. Uh, a little overboard like a lot of great fan bases are. Things happen. There are fringe elements, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. It's a great fan base, loyal fan base. We'll, we'll travel and follow you anywhere you go. But with the SEC being is what it is now and with other – your rivals going out there and getting big names, it, you want to make sure you're still sitting at the big boys' table at Thanksgiving dinner. You want to be sitting with the adults at Thanksgiving dinner. And to do that, you kind of have to go act like it. And if you're Tennessee, I think Curry knows that. I think he's going to do everything in his power to go big before – I mean, more so than he normally would. I think he, he, I think he senses that. I think he's a smart guy. I might be completely reading this wrong and giving the guy too much credit, but I just know the guy to be a shrewd guy, and I think he can, I think he can read this battlefield right now. I think he knows what he needs to do. And I think he's going to go out there and if he's not going to get a big name, he's going to damn sure die trying. Yeah. I do believe that. Yeah. And and kind of reiterate what I said earlier, Tennessee's going to have enough talent, ought to be able to attract enough talent to be on a similar playing field to the likes of Georgia and and Alabama and Florida if they start recruiting well. And they need somebody that's able to coach them to those wins. They need teams. Pe- pe- people over- like Auburn have found ways to do it by being a little bit different and going yeah. out and getting somebody that does something different. People probably didn't think Gus Malzahn's offense was going to work in the SEC without Cam Newton. Looked pretty good against Georgia last week. Yeah, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, sure did, um, didn't it? I mean, you can go get guys and you can do things a little bit differently. And I just don't think that you're going to go out saving saving. I, I, I'm, I'm an, it's and, the last time I'm going to say it, but I really do believe it. And, and the perception on a national level is that the Big Ten and the ACC have made better hires than the SEC in the in recent cycles. That's probably fair. And, and this is a situation where if you're Tennessee and the rest of the league, because there's going to be multiple openings now. Yeah, a lot. Uh, with, uh, you know, with Tennessee, with Florida, with Texas A&M all becoming open, probably Arkansas the same way, Ole Miss is open. I mean, that's almost half the league. And then you wonder about – some other dominoes falling. If Auburn gets crushed by Alabama this week, does Gus Malzahn look around? Does he go to Arkansas? There's all that smoke there that I don't. You know, I think it might all be innuendo, but that's another job that is similar to yours. But you know, if Florida's going out and hiring Chip Kelly. We've seen a report from from Dan Wolken at USA Today that Texas A&M is going to target Jimbo Fisher. If those now, if those and, programs and are out, I've, I've been saying that for two weeks too. I've heard that pretty consistently from people down in Texas that they were going to go hard at Jimbo. And so if, if A&M's bringing a guy with a national championship on his resume, if, if Florida's bringing in a guy like Chip Kelly who did what he did at Oregon, you can't get left behind if you're Tennessee. You want to be at the big boys. You want to sit with the adults at Thanksgiving dinner. You don't want to be at the kids' table. And so how many coaches would get you there? 
uh, Gruden gets you there. It gives you credibility. Mm-hmm. That makes that makes the rest of, of your league go, okay, Tennessee's not playing around if they're throwing around whatever the exorbitant number that we've heard is. Sure. Uh, if you hire Dan Mullen, I think that, that keeps you in the conversation because he's done a good job in this league at Mississippi State. Have anybody has anybody ever been to Starkville? Everybody that discounts him, have you it's ever been to Starkville? It's gotten a lot better in the past decade, but in he's general, made it yes. better. He's yes. made it better. You would say, and there, there will be people that if Tennessee goes and hires Dan Mullen, they'll be saying, "Well, why does he, why is he leaving Mississippi State? That's a better, you know, that's been better than Tennessee in the past however many years." Well, yeah, it's been better than Tennessee because Dan Mullen made it better than Tennessee. Uh, and so, does Mike Leach? I think Mike Leach would get you there from a national standpoint. I think he's well respected in a I, lot of places. I just, I, and it's not just because I want to cover the guy. I <laughs> he's lo- your guy. I love the idea. He is, he is your guy. I mean, of, that guy has gone with short stacks at everywhere he's been, and he has made backwaters competitive. I've never, I've never been to Pullman, so I don't, I don't know what he's doing up there. And in the SEC, look at the numbers when he was at Kentucky. It was an offense that was costing them those games. And, and it would seem on the surface that Leach, this would be a time for Leach to look around because he sure. just lost his AD. Mm-hmm. And Luke Falk is leaving, mm-hmm. uh, so that would be a situation where maybe he looks around. Maybe a guy like Chris Peterson. Uh, I don't. That that might be it, unless you're able to pull somebody else out of the hat that you don't know. Look, now there are some other good coaches out there that I think could do well at Tennessee. Uh, Matt Campbell's a name we've not heard, but the guy's winning at Iowa State for heaven's sake. He can, he's a pretty good coach. Willie Taggart's a name I don't think we've mentioned in this podcast. I think he could do well down here. Mm-hmm. I do too. Uh, he's got some re- recruiting ties in Florida. There are some red flags with that conditioning issue last year, though. Yes, um, the strength. You know, Oregon had some players sent to the hospital with some of the stuff they were doing during workouts. It didn't look very good. Uh, he had a little snafu with the media, which up there, I don't know how that would translate down here. But he's a guy that you know coached at Western Kentucky, so you think he would have some some inroads there in, in the middle in, in Middle Tennessee. Could have some recruiting chops in Florida. His coordinators right now. If if Willie, if I got if I called Willie Taggart and he said, "Hey, Mario Cristobal and Jim Levitt are coming with me," I'd be down with that. Uh, and what's interesting is there's been all this reporting out about Kansas State when Curry was there about what they were going to do with Bill Snyder, and supposedly they had to deal with Jim Levitt wrapped up, but Snyder wanted his son, who's never been an, even a coordinator. <laughs> and I could totally see Curry being like, "Yeah, we're not doing that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, Bill. I know we've. Uh, here's, I know your name's on the stadium, but we're not doing that. You know, this isn't no. This isn't any nepotism here. Here's my point. Here's my point for Leach. Here's my point. If you're Tennessee right now, you know, let's imagine that he were the coach of Tennessee right now, and that they were in that situation with the offensive line being what it is, where you have four scholarship guys available. You're you're playing a walk on. You're 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 doing all. You're, you're just you're doing anything you can to try to be competitive in that situation. You know who does that? Mike Leach does that. He goes out there. He's not getting a lot of these cream of the crop guys on the offensive line, and he's lining them up like their splits are like you could drive a Volkswagen through them. And you know what they're doing? They're being competitive. They're, they're a pretty good team. And I think that a guy like that, he, now he's weird, but you don't think Tennessee fans would embrace the hell out of that weirdness? I do, at least at first. And if you can go win at Texas Tech and you can go win at Washington State, you can go win at Tennessee. You absolutely can. And he would need recruiters around him, all that. I get it. I get it. I'm not stupid. I get that. But if you're Tennessee and you're not getting any of these really, 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 really big names, but you want a guy who's going to give you a puncher's chance, go out and get that guy. I'm just saying. that That's... 
to me, that's something that uh, everywhere the guy's been, they've been really good offensively. And they're going toe-to-toe and beating some good teams out there. You say, oh, well, you, you know what I mean you can win at Tennessee? Sure, it doesn't. Okay, I buy that. But you're you're the coach at Washington State, and you're beating USC. You're doing things like that. You can coach. Now, keep in mind that Tennessee fans are to Gruden as Wes is to Leach. I just think the guy, <laughs> beyond being incredibly fascinating, is I don't. I think the numbers bear themselves out. I think he's done a really good job as a coach. So the uh, a lot of questions we get, especially this past weekend, especially on Sunday, was what's the earliest? Mm-hmm. The earliest would be next Sunday to me because the earliest would be Sunday or Monday. Yeah. It's not Gruden. Mullen's your guy. You want to get in on him before anyone else does. And so you're you're talking to him Friday. You're using your Black Friday. You're not going to Walmart yep. or Target or Best Buy for the sales. Well, Star- Starkville might not have a lot of those anyway, so <laughs> you're, you're all right. That's a good point. Uh, if, if that's who you want, then you're, you're on a plane somewhere Friday talking to him. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to get that done. And then you're giving him at least a day or so to think about it if he needs to. And then you're calling Sunday being like, all right, come on, let's go. And then, I, I don't, first of all, I, I don't think Curry will do anything to upstage the seniors on this current team for their final home game. Not unless you get an absolutely blue blood coach which, who says, I'm signing the dollar, which, I'm signing the dotted line right now. Which is another thing where people say, well, do they have an agreement with Gruden and they're just not releasing it? If I got John Gruden to be my next football coach, I'm I'm not even putting out a full release yet. I'm just I'm sending out a, a two paragraph thing. John Gruden's agreed. Here's my here's my quote. We're done. Or just get it out there. Or just John period Gruden period. Send the release. Exactly. Uh, you're not you're not holding you're not sitting on that. I don't think. No, and in Tennessee's uh, the headline on UTSports.com right now would be Gruden in all caps with like 18 exclamation marks. <laughs> That's what it would be. So. Earliest is would be Sunday early next week. Yeah. Because the first coach to finish this season that I think Tennessee would be interested in would be Dan Mullen. And that's where you're if you're Curry, you have to weigh that. Do you want to go ahead and get Mullen now or do you want to wait and see if Scott Frost will listen to you? If he's playing a week later. That's what you gotta do. And a lot of things could happen between the end of next uh this last week of games and then the next week. Yeah. I mean I mean it's so that's what I, I think what I'm looking at here, the timeline I'm looking at is earliest reasonable date would be Sunday. And I think maybe more likely Monday than Sunday because you want to dominate the Monday news cycle, so you want to do it Monday morning. Well, what you probably do, you probably announce it Sunday and introduce Monday. Yeah. You wouldn't, you so, wouldn't want to so do it on the same day. you control the sort of media cycles that way. That, that, that's, that, that's reasonable to me. Now, the latest realistic date I can come up with is probably seven or eight days after that. I think a couple of days after those final rounds of championship games, mm-hmm. that is, if you're if it gets to be the Tuesday or Wednesday after the conference championship games have been played, then you can start getting then you then you then you start sweating. That's well, what you, I would I would start sweating then. Yeah, the recruiting period is really yes. You can't you, yes. you got to move quickly. Yes, you got to move quickly for two reasons now because number one, it's going to be a competitive market if very competitive A and M and Arkansas and these other SEC programs jump in and. And there may not be so much overlap with some of those schools as there are with Tennessee and maybe Florida, but um, and then the the recruiting period is obviously the other one. And you've got to you you start you start jostling for position there. And what happens here? We'll get out of here with this thought, guys. And again, we said we were going to talk a little bit about the LSU Tennessee game. There's really nothing to discuss. That team's playing hard, 
and doing what it can, but it's just not very good, and it's banged up all to hell, and it's just not. Yeah. They're they, playing hard. They are, but it's just not. They With what they have as presently constructed, as presently coached, they don't have much of a chance. Their margin for error is so thin that you can't drop two punts in the first half and expect to beat an LSU. But uh, they did play hard. But, but on this coaching search, uh, you know, this is where this weekend, like starting Sunday and Saturday night, really, Sunday, it's going to start getting really hectic and really wild. Now, that means that, that everything could be happening this week, too, and it's crazy, and we're going to be all over it. But I'll put it this way. I'm going to do my best to enjoy Thanksgiving with my family on Thursday, and then the second that's over, it goes back to this being complete bonkers for either two to nine or ten days because that's where everything's going to happen. You're going to have all these coaches other other places that are going to be fired. You're going to have people on the market. Every time an SEC coach or SEC program enters the market, you can pretty much add $300,000 or $400,000 to the price of whoever you want to hire. Every time that happens, just tick more money off of it, I think. But because that's that's your competition, uh, and agents can play that like a fiddle. Uh, But I I think that you're looking at a, a really, 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 really hectic period as soon as it becomes like Saturday night. Then for for a week or so, it's going to be madness. And we're going to be all over it, but I think we all know that that's the most likely scenario here. Do you think there are a lot of direct flights from the Bahamas to Starkville? Great question. But if <laughs> but if we see a flight aware uh, flight, if we get the if we get a heads up uh, from, from from one of our airport sources that a plane is going directly from Nassau to uh, to Starkville, Mississippi. Hmm. Okay. Probably not a lot of those. I can put two and two together on that one. So yeah, I mean, if I were y'all. I, and I'm not just saying this because we work at GoBoss247.com. I would be on the checkerboard hitting refresh every 30 seconds uh, because you never know when this thing is going to burst. It's You know what? It's like uh, this This pregnancy is like at a point where this baby could come out any minute now. That That's where this thing is. So don't go too far away from your phone, your laptop, yeah, your tablet. Keep all your devices charged. You never know when we're going to have this news for you. We're getting into the, into the territory now where – the next Monday podcast we do could be talking about Tennessee's next football coach. Absolutely could be. And we'll, we'll try to have, we'll have another, um, we'll have another podcast, at least one more, maybe two more this week, because we're going to have the, uh, we're going to have a, a, a Rucker and Ramey basketball one preview in that trip to the Bahamas that neither one of us is taking, but the Tennessee basketball team is taking. And you know what? We might have a, a nice little round table talking about Thanksgiving things we're thankful for, things that Tennessee fans should be thankful for. That seems like a good a good Thursday turducken episode of the podcast, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm thankful for a lot of things, but I'll tell you about them later in the week. Yeah, and if, if you want to get away from your family members on Thursday, we'll have a podcast for you to go and listen to. You can have headphones while you're sitting there taking your nice napper after uh, you get all that, whatever that... Tryptophan. Yeah, that stuff. When you ever you get all that in you, it's in the turkey. Yeah, we'll have that. If the if the Thanksgiving Day games are boring, or you want to watch them while listening to something else because you don't like that broadcaster, listen to this podcast or the next one we'll have. Patrick, any final words? Nah. I don't want I don't want the you know the German people to get upset at me. 